you know that suffering leads to growth. You've seen those Instagram, like those cringy pictures and those motivate 5 a.m. wake up morning routines. Through every setback, through every failure, there is growth to be had. But there is one key attribute, there's one key skill that you need so that suffering actually becomes profitable. If you don't have this one thing, all suffering, all setbacks, all failures will just make your life worse and worse and worse. Whereas the person who has this one key thing with every bit of suffering, with every setback, with every failure, his life will get better and better. It's a positive mental attitude. It's positive thinking. Gratitude. You need to get into that habit to experience suffering, to experience failure and setbacks, to experience that negative things and to think positively about it and allow that to push you forward for the goals that you have. I hope that you suffer and I say that out of love. If you take that as an insult, if you saw this title and, and thought, wait, he, he, he said that I, I, he hopes that I suffer. That's a bad thing. No. That's your test to know whether or not you have the right mental attitude. There is a skinny fat advantage. Skinny fat is like the worst physique that you can have as a young man. And a lot of like teenagers and young men have this. Skinny fat is when you're kind of skinny, like you've got skinny arms, skinny bones and everything. But you're not like skinny lean, like you know fuckboy lean where they're like they're skinny but they've got like you know a slim toned like six pack and they've got like little short like you know delts and bicep veins. You're skinny but you've weirdly still got high body fat. So you're skinny with like a somewhat like protruding stomach. Like remember those fucking, the African, like the starving African child commercials that would put, I know it's kind of fucking horrible to say that, but you, you would be able to understand what I'm talking about. It's the worst body to have as a young man. It, it, like it fucking reeks of, of a lack of sexual appeal. Being skinnier is better and being fat is better. Skinny fat's the worst, but you know what? There is the skinny fat advantage because growth comes from suffering if you put the work in for it because the people who were skinny fat, like myself, we've had to go through more than the average person to actually then build a body that we're proud of. It took me seven years to build a body that most other people would build in probably four I'm the one with the advantage. They got the, the ego fulfillment of reaching the goal faster and they get to say, oh, but it only took me four years and I'm bigger than you. I'm okay, congratulations. But I had to put in another three years of work. That put, like Some people have said this to me, bro, I, I know that they will eventually quit. I know that they will eventually lose their body because every fucking person that I talk to who says they were bigger than me or whatever, well, they're not now. Oh, but I got a bad knee. <laughs> I injured myself. Oh, 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 but I, then I stopped lifting because... Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I have the skinny fat advantage and that's why I'm now fucking jacked because I had to go from the worst position to the best. I had to do an extra few years of work. It took me around two to three years of lifting to get to most people's starting point. I remember 
three and a half, almost four years into lifting, when lifting was so, you know, it's like the, the number one thing that I do. One of my friends named Kai in my second year of university, he would casually just come to the gym with me, like not even to come for the workout. He'd literally just come just like, like chat with me for a few minutes. Whatever exercise I was doing, he would copy it with the same weight with okay form. Like, he'd, you know, he's like a lad where he's like, he's went to the gym a couple of times. Here was me fucking eat, sleep, lift, repeat four years. And here's a, a fucking guy who can just do it. No problem. It took me years to build up to 20 kg dumbbell press, like 20 per hand. I see some people get onto that within the first couple of months. And every single one of those people who get onto it on the first couple of months, they never build that 10 out of 10 body. They never stay consistent in the gym because they didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to suffer for it. Your USP, your unique selling points comes from your suffering. And so I hope that you suffer. I hope that you don't have an easy life. Where are you avoiding suffering right now? And where have you suffered, but you refuse to adopt the right mental attitude to profit from that suffering? It may be one of the most important parts of self-improvement. It's the breakup gains after the girl that you love breaks your heart and then that's when you get serious in the gym. It's the pressure of the young entrepreneur who sees his family struggling for money and so now he's working long days to try and make something of himself. It's that rags to riches story. I see so many young men who avoid suffering, who aren't grateful for it, who, quite frankly, are little bitches. Oh, oh something happened. Okay, congratulations. What are you going to do about it now? Where's the, where's the positivity gone? Woe is me. Now, I'm not saying to purposely go and suffer more than, than what life deals to you. But perhaps the best case scenario is to have that mindset, that attitude ready so that when you do go through some kind of travesty, when you do go through some huge challenge, when you go through a setback, you're ready to switch it on and to think to yourself, okay, what can I do about it? Because the majority of people just fucking crumble and they give up. They go through a setback, they suffer from something and they use that as an excuse to slow down get, and get complacent. Now they're really suffering. I haven't had too much of a hard life. I've went through some shit. I've had some traumatic events as an adult and experienced like a lot, a lot of child abuse when I was young still to the point where I feel like a lot of my actions as an adult, perhaps not so much recently, because I've been through therapy and a lot of introspective work and mental health practices, but I'd say for most of my adult life, I have been so heavily influenced by the trauma that I experienced as a child. Frequent beatings, constant threats, a huge level of mindlessness. 
Like when you when your brain is just anxious all the time, when you're in fight or flight mode, when you're having fucking six shits a, a day and your stomach, like you, you don't produce fucking cylinder shits like normal people. It's more like little fucking pieces. Dude, that's actually kind of nice. I just, <laughs> that's not nice. But like, I just kind of thought like last couple of months or so, I've just been having like nice normal shits, like normal people shits. But for most of my life, it's been more like, like symptoms of IBS. But I know it's not specifically like IBS. I know for a fact it's from trauma. So think about how deeply that a level of suffering has impacted me and can impact someone else. I've opened, I'm not going to re-say some stuff, but I've opened up on some videos on this channel in detail of some shit that I've went through. And I am so glad that I went through that. I am so grateful that I had those experiences. I'm grateful that my life has had a fair amount of suffering. I'm telling you right now that all of the people at the top, every single person at the top of their industry, at the top of their sport, their business, career, they've suffered a lot. People who have suffered a lot seem to go through a roller coaster of a life. They have extreme ups and extreme downs. And that to me is a, an infinitely more beautiful experience than the monotonous commute straightforward of an average life of no true suffering, of mediocrity, mediocrity. I have thoughts in my mind of just after I graduated from university and I was, oh man, I was working shitty jobs, full-time customer service in a complaints department, a receptionist in a GP, front, front desk assistant in a homeless accommodation, a homeless accommodation shelter. I remember it was that specific, probably the customer service full-time one as well, but them two jobs, full-time customer service in a complaints department and front desk assistant in a homeless shelter where I experienced like a fair amount of fucking trials and tribulations of challenges. Imagine, imagine knowing that you work in a temporary accommodation for homeless people and, you know, it's, it is safe. It's like you're hit, not like you are like somewhat hidden away from like the homeless guys like they come to the door and they just need to be like buzzed in so they press the buzzer and then the phone rings in the the room like the office you open up the the phone and then they say like they're in room number six so you let them in and they come in and out over the night time so like they, a lot of them was obviously on drugs and they'd go out and like rob people they'd be, like i'm not even taking a piss they're literally there's a side note but like ugh, fucking hell i've got to tell that story more often but like did do you know what was so interesting that there was never one specific person. It was like, there was always a rotation. Let's say there's 20 people in the accommodation. There was always a rotation of a couple of guys who would come in, even though they hadn't been there previously, they'd come in and automatically they'd make a group to go out and like steal stuff at nighttime. So they'd go out at like 3am. I'd be working night shift, 3am they'd go out. 
big group of them. Sometimes it was just a couple of guys. Sometimes literally, like, imagine like seeing it on CCTV, where like six, seven guys go, their friends come, they all go wearing like tracksuits, hooded up and everything. They go, an hour later, they, f I swear to God, I'm telling the truth, they would come back with like with shit all like on them, fucking computer monitors and like always bikes like they'd bring like four like some guys would come in with like two uh, bicycles in their hands and everything fuck <sighs> and so that's happening like throughout the night and here i am in the office on my laptop trying to start a fucking business <laughs> like doing business work on my like job hours <sighs> building up an attachment to one of the guys who was staying there. He kind of looked like my dad a little bit and he was from Pakistan, didn't speak English. So I was like an unofficial translator for him. So when I came in, my manager asked me to like explain some of the rules to him. And then every like couple of days, she would call me and ask me to like translate something he was saying, you know what I mean? And um, TLDR, this guy who I somewhat bonded with was removed from the accommodation and was facing being like homeless homeless like on the like sleeping on the street homeless for the first time and i took the responsibility myself to help him and i'm not i'm not even saying this to try and get your pity or you know oh my god hamza's such a good guy because still to this day i don't really feel good about it and i'll tell you why afterwards but for a couple of months i fucking I went through some shit. It was a challenging time. Most stressful time of my life. I was getting paid about £500 a month. And like, it's not a lot when you live in the city and like you're paying for rent and shit. Like it wasn't enough. And I'm helping this guy and buying him food and everything. And then he gets removed from the accommodation. And I see him like just in the hotel next. Like he doesn't even have a room in the hotel. He's just sat there. So I invite him back in. And all night through the night shift, I'm trying to figure out like what the fuck to do. Obviously, trying to call any kind of... Uh, excuse me. Interesting that my, my throat just got so fucking dry just thinking back about that time. I remember so many nights waking up in, in sweats. In, like, stress. Like, waking up early to, like, go through all the government websites and everything bring him back into the accommodation that night and I'm looking online I'm trying to figure something out nothing's no one's picking up all the homeless accommodation shelters all the government websites and shit they're all just fucking trash and eventually I get the idea to post about it on reddit on the Manchester subreddit you could probably still probably like find my post there on the Manchester subreddit um this will be like three years ago something like that and straight away there's like a good community like um response people are messaging me they'll buy him like one day stay in a hotel and everything so we get that organized uh on the same night get him like an uber to but i've got a few hundred pounds in my bank account i've been buying him food and everything getting him an uber to the hotel he, he gets in there for like a day or two and i go and like see him there and still trying to apply for benefits get him like a place somewhere you know trying to figure things out and then the same girl who got him like a one night stay in the hotel i speak to her loads on the phone and we pretty much organized for him to then get a one month stay like this woman just like pays for it all fuck i forgot about her 
what a nice woman, man. Like, she, she just fully fucking trusted me. Like, all that, like, just out of nowhere. Like, you know, she paid, like, a one-night stay. It must have been, like, 50 pounds or something. And then we're speaking more and more. And, like, she then paid, like, a um, 450 pound month in an Airbnb for him. So, for an entire month. That was, like, such a, like a, a stress reliever that he had, like, an entire month staying out. And then this is just when COVID was breaking out and like no one knows what's happening. The shops are getting like ransacked. Everyone's buying toilet paper and shit, you know, it's stressful times. And here I am, you know, everyone's like, it, it was just about that thing of like, okay, stay indoors, don't get infected and shit. And it was, here I was traveling all around the fucking Manchester city, like to, to Ubers and all this, like going with him to like move him into this new place and then getting food and everything for him. Going there again a few times to the, the new host, uh, house that he was staying at to like take my laptop and like apply for benefits, eventually get him onto benefits. And whole thing was probably about two months, sleepless nights, waking up in sweat. It was a challenge. Like I truly feel like I suffered quite a lot from that. And of course, when you when you hear me tell this story, like, and if you ask me the question, like, are you grateful for it? Are you glad that you experienced that? Well, yeah, 100%. It's obvious. Of course I did. Of, of course I'm grateful for it. You're seeing now how valuable suffering and challenging times are if you have the right attitude. Because imagine if I had, like, a little bitch. Obviously, I wouldn't be on YouTube. I wouldn't have grown all this. And if I had, like, a little bitch attitude still to this day, Imagine I was like a completely different person, but with the same experience, I'd be looking back and thinking like, oh, bro, like, you know, like I spent so much money on the guy, like I didn't get the money back and like, you know, I wasted so much time and like, but with the right attitude, I look back and I'm just thinking like, I'm so grateful that I got to experience all that. And whilst it's relevant and for the sake of staying unfiltered and truthful and honest, the reason why I, I don't, like, people have, you know, they comment and said, oh my god, Hamza, such a good story, and, like, girls have, like, a few girls have asked me, like, story, like, you know, like, um, asking questions about, like, experiences and everything, what's the best thing you've done, and you usually do say this. The reason why I'm not proud of it, and I don't, you're not seeing me talk about it with, like, happiness, you know, like, oh, I saved a guy, because I abandoned him. After moving him into that place, getting him, like, onto the, the, universal credits like the uk benefits like welfare getting him set up on that he was getting 700 pounds a month 350 was going directly to the guy who owned the airbnb so that he could keep renewing a month stay and then 350 was going to him and at this point this is not related to abandoning him but just something in mind is like that was more money than i was getting from my fucking job and stuff just and i was like broke so that was always stressful and stuff but it was uh it was after setting him up all, all that and I remember actually, I wanted to leave Manchester. Like I wanted to, you know, I've, I've said it on my chat main channel before that I wanted to leave like that girl that I was staying with. I wanted to move back home and I debated it for a year. You know what? I've kind of never really said it before, but actually a big reason why I didn't leave for a while was because of this guy. Because it was always this thing of like, oh wait, like I'll, I'll help him first, then I'll go, then I'll leave Manchester. It just kind of like popped into my mind because me and her would always discuss it and everything saying like, if I leave now, like, what's going to happen to him? Like, you know, I probably wouldn't, like, commute from Warrington, like, 20, 30 miles to go, like, you know, move him somewhere. And um, that's through COVID and everything. So that was, like, a reason why I stayed in a fucking a shit relationship. And so we set up in the house, and then I feel, like, kind of free. Like, 
it just felt so right to then leave Manchester. Like that was like the last thing that really happened. And COVID's getting like real bad. Everyone's scared. This is now like official lockdown. You're not allowed to leave your house and everything. And so I moved back home in May. And I remember for like still a month or two, like he was the homeless guy was still calling him. Like he's not homeless anymore, but... I would I would say I would give him the respect of saying his name, but I don't want to just in case it's for like privacy or anything. So that's why I'm gonna say like homeless man, even though it sounds kind of insulting for me to say that. But yeah, um, uh, he would still call me every single day, asking for help and you know like these small things. And then because he didn't he had mental health problems, he didn't speak English and join you know I me mean? like so I became his like assistant in a sense. I became like you know the guy who's doing everything for him, and it just kind of like. Uh, when I would say this to my parents at the time, it just kind of like, they kind of turned it on blind. They just kind of said like, oh, like, you know, you've done what you can and just leave him now and everything. But to me, that was like, I, I can't like re reject people. It's like fucking incredibly hard for me to do that. But I debated it for so long, for so long, until eventually I, was, I journaled and journaled and journaled. And I just thought, you know what? The way that it's going, like this is like, a person who need, who like truly is dependent and like, I'm always gonna have to keep helping him unless if I just disappear. I did like the best I could to kind of set him up. So I went onto like his benefit system, told him that I wouldn't be checking it anymore and that they should like call him if they needed him with the translator and everything. I went online and did like a lot of, the, the government websites are so fucking shit. I remember I used to be so stressed out about going through like the government websites and they're always like outdated, the links don't work and all this. And when you, when I have bad mental health problems as well, it's just made it so much harder. But I remember trying to like find like, if you can get like someone like, like a caretaker or a social worker or something, but it was always like a dead end everywhere and through COVID as well, it's just incredibly like hard situation. And that's why I like, I'm not exactly proud of this story because whilst it makes me sound awesome oh yeah you know i helped the homeless person and like he got he pretty much got a house to live in and you know, the, the truth is like i abandoned him as well yeah and um to be completely honest i blocked him as well i blocked his number so i know this is all like somewhat irrelevant to what we're talking about with suffering i mean it is somewhat relevant but it just kind of telling the story just makes me gives me like a sense of almost pride specifically for the level of honesty and authenticity that I do have. Someone I commented and I replied saying like, you know what, like I actually haven't told a single lie on YouTube. I'm like, I really value honesty and fuck, you know, that's somewhat relevant. I just said those words, I really value honesty and my brain started to like work really fast to figure out why, like, cause I've always, not always, but like I've I've been like a liar for like a lot of my life, you know, like just not like a big thing or anything. Just you know, as a kid or whatever, you just lie about shit. You know, like I wasn't a totally honest person for all my life. I have been over the last few years, and I kind of started to think, wait, why is like honesty a value that you know is like important to me? And I thought of my first girlfriend, and even the the second girl I dated, like the one who I lived with, who was relevant in that homeless story, and both of those girls just. Fuck, every time I get like into like an emotional story, my throat just tries the fuck out. I don't know if that's like, I don't know, I think it's maybe a level of awareness or something that I've been meditating or something. Both of those girls were, um, they told a lot of lies, which really, really made me feel insecure in the relationships. And that's particularly fucking devastating when you've been with someone for so long or you've planned 
like your life with them. Like the first girl who lied a lot. Um, I lost my virginity to her. She's like the girl that I'm gonna have children with. We've we've made the children's names. We're gonna you know we're li we're not living together, but we're like spending every single day together. Like we just staying at each other's places in university. And I remember the lies that she would tell would always be about like guys that she had been with. So it would break my heart that she had had sexual experiences before me. To be honest, I never even would. I never thought anything about her previous ex boyfriends. I think she had one or two ex-boyfriends. Never thought anything about that at all. It was that she had, I think, three hookups. Two or three hookups. And that used to, like, break my fucking heart. And she would always somewhat, like, lie about that stuff. You know, I'd, like, I shouldn't have. But I do emphasize for my younger self who, like, you know, she's my everything and everything. So I'd be asking, like, questions about it and stuff. And, like, how many times did you sleep with him? Did you use a condom? And she'd always, like, you know, tell me, like, the answers that I wanted to hear. But she was never really good at lying and so it would, you know, you get like a gut feeling when someone's lying to you. So if there was this one particular guy who's like, she's messaging on Snapchat. And, you know, he's from her high school or something and she's just saying, oh, you know, he's looking out for me because I was sick yesterday. You know, some bullshit like that. And I'm like, you know, you get that gut feeling. And I'm like, is that a guy that you've dated or is it a guy that you've slept with? And she's like, no. And you feel it inside of you billions of fucking years of evolution feels it inside of you that you're being lied to and of course it was so that was uh that happened like a fair amount of times i remember like with her i cried a lot about this shit and i like i always just wanted to break up with her because of this stuff i didn't trust her and i just kind of felt unable to because i had such a strong bond like i remember that ah oh, fucking hell like I think if you're new to like dating and falling in love and everything, you can probably relate. If you if you're a little bit older and like you know it's been a while since like you lost your virginity and everything, I want you to just kind of remember how attached you were to that first person, but at the same time knowing that like they weren't right for you, and it's so incredibly hard to move on from that. Like every part of your body like feels connected to them, and you want to be with them. There's such a huge level of comfort with that because it's like your soul has united with them. But at least for me at that time, it was like 100% clear that like I wouldn't stay with her because of these lies. And essentially I went through that level of suffering with her. I suffered a lot in that relationship, like mentally. And with the second girl as well. So same thing with just like a bunch of like petty lies. Pretty much same thing. But this was like, I'd already now from that first girl to this one, I'd probably slept with around 20 girls. I'd been in the degenerate life. And then the girl that I was seeing who I was living with, uh, she had been in the degenerate life and she had like a body count like 10 to 15. And she would be like quite similar lies as well. Like I remember some of the things like to give you an example was, oh, fucking hell. I'm just opening up right now, but I think it is quite relevant with the topic of suffering and how I've gotten to the value of honesty. And honesty has made this YouTube channel the reason why you watch my videos. Probably a big reason, like actually the most number one reason what most people have said. I've asked what like, you know, previously on polls and everything. Number one reason is authenticity, which I think is very, very related to honesty. Like, you know that you're getting the real me. I'm talking to you as like you're a person. I'm not talking to the, the audience of 70K. I'm speaking to you like I'm fucking opening up to you. And I get to benefit from that. I get to, you know, make this fucking business and have this level of like leadership because I've suffered and understood the value of honesty because of that suffering. 
And with the second girl, like this is just one of the experiences, but I'll just fucking walk you through it. I think it it was Christmas Day, twenty eighteen, and you know it's, things were like like not so great and everything. Like she, I'm like sleeping with her, but it's like there was a time when like so we started off just kind of hooking up with each other, and then we started liking each other over a couple of months. And there was a point when then I started like dating her, like taking her on dates, and it, it was this is why I got like more and more red pilled because. Obviously, it was from, like, low-quality women, so it's not, like, a fair thing to be, but, like, it was only after I gave her, like, a level of commitment and dating her that, like, she actually, like, behaved worse. And, you know, there was, like, more to lose in a sense. But we're, like, you know, we're really close. We're, we're somewhat, like, we're not together together, like, boyfriend-girlfriend, but we are, like, dating in a sense. And it's literally Christmas fucking day, and we're both in the student accommodation, so she had went home to Ireland to you know be with her family and then flew back I think Christmas Eve or even Christmas Day to just spend Christmas Day with me even though I don't really celebrate it I just kind of like messaged her saying that I missed her she said that she missed me and then she, she just booked a flight and everything so obviously she had a huge level of attraction like, this was the girl who who made me into a fucking like gee I'm not even gonna lie like you know, like any level of like sort of alpha male personality that I have was because of this girl with the way that she treated me and shit like I was so incredibly like masculine and dominant with her and like you know, when you have a girl who's literally abandoning her family like her time with her family on christmas day she's white so she celebrates it and i like i don't even celebrate it just to come like spend the day with me like that's like that was like the norm in this type of relationship anyway she comes back and on christmas day <sighs> oh man we're at her place and she's like messaging on her phone and it's a friend it's my friend by the way who we had hang on my my pc just fucking up who uh, we have both had, like fallen out because that guy was kind of like splitting us apart. Like we would go on a night out with him and he'd come up to me secretly and say like, oh, you know, she's getting with other guys and like, you should get, you should kiss that girl and he'd go to her and like, you know, all this like snaky shit. And I see that she's messaging this guy and I'm like, oh wait, why are you speaking to him? Because I thought like both of us, like we're not speaking to him anymore. In fact, like I was saying this to her, like you told me like not to speak to him. And she went, wait, I'm not speaking to him. I was like... I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I literally, like, you know, you just kind of, like, saw it on her phone a little bit. So like, what the fuck? And I, I kind of, like, 100%, this isn't, like, the right thing to do, whatever, but I kind of, like, you know, either tried to grab her phone or insisted that we, like, show me what are you talking about. It's right there. And she went, like, she literally, like, on Facebook, still remember Facebook Messenger, she was like, no, I'm not talking to him. And obviously, like, she just fucking deleted the chat. And I, I didn't think much of it then. Like, maybe the fuck, I don't know. But, but um... Bro, fucking hell, when someone does that in front of you, bro, like, your blood fucking buzzed. Like, I remember, still to this moment, I still had, like, a strong attachment and a, a level of, like, maybe a lack of respect for myself that I still stayed around for, like, a couple of hours after that. Not exactly arguing, but, you know, talking about it, and then we're, like, talking about other shit. Probably, yeah, you can class it as an argument. And I still remember, like, it was Christmas Day, and I'm still, I'm sat on the edge of the bed, we're not even, like, looking at each other, and I'm just a hundred thoughts in my mind, just thinking, like, why the fuck am I in this situation again, where, like, a girl's aligned? This wasn't, like, one of the first times, right? Like, I, I knew of her lies before this, and even fucking after this. Obviously, I didn't respect myself, because I stayed, like, with her as my main girl. Things did somewhat change, which maybe is, like, a separate story, but, yeah, um... But it's fucking heartbreaking to go through that when, at the same time, it's not like we were committed in a relationship, so it's still not technically even cheating because, like, we weren't exclusive. We weren't in a relationship. We were just kind of, like, hooking up, but we had feelings for each other. And obviously, like, friends should be off limits, but, you know what I mean? If they were fucking... No, they probably were, but 
it's interesting. It doesn't really do anything to me because it's been, it has been like three years, but even after that, there was like two years of being together and there was just fucking, uh, should I tell you a fucking unfiltered as fuck story? I've never said this one on... Oh, okay, well, we are on the unfiltered chat. Okay, gather round, boys. Fuck. <laughs> we got good at... Okay. So, the same girl. In May 2020, I moved out of our apartment in Manchester and moved back here. And one of the things I've not really made so clear was that we kind of, like, you know, separated at a moment. But I would still actually go back about once a week or so for, like, a night to go see her. And I remember that every time I'd go back, I'd actually regret it. I'd almost, like, forget how, like, bored I would be there, how, like, little we had in common. And I remember, like, it would, I would go there because I had a huge sense of attachment. You know, I would, I would be here trying to work and everything. And, like, as soon as I was done with the workday, I would miss her so dearly because I had spent... Like, I still miss her fucking every single day because we we just... We'd spent, like, a year and a half, about two years, every single day together probably like, honestly more like three, like it was three years in total and from the start even though you know we weren't living together straight away it's like we worked together almost every single day but for about one and a half years it literally was we were living together 24 7 for the first one and a half years it was like we weren't technically living together but we were just always around each other's place and that like that really attaches you to someone and so when i moved back i would miss her so much that I remember I somewhat like would break my self-improvement like dopamine detox for like the first month or so like when I came back that every week I would go around like every weekend or something like something like that maybe every five to like ten days or something I'd go for like one or two days stay over there and would just be kind of like degenerates for like a night and I remember I just like that's where I would go to like smoke weed because I had previously been smoking every day and and didn't didn't even feel that, like any kind of urge to smoke here at home. It was so interesting, but it was like I would go there, and it felt like I kind of needed to smoke to be around her. And so that's happening for like you know a couple of months. And I remember, so it was May, and I remember it was August. So that's three months, right? So near the end, so let's say about July or so it was a lot less frequent so it was like now instead of like every like weekend it was more like two and you know there was gaps and everything and it was around this time when it like she, you know the first month or so she's like she misses me so much and you know you can see it in her i remember this is when i started getting like fucking red pill because as i had gone and she had seen more of like the mental health sort of like weak side to me who's crying you know before i had left like i was going through so much bad mental health and like all the shit with my family and i would break down crying that that's when my trauma really started to come out and i realized like how much pain i actually carried inside of myself so i'd like cry in front of her without you know really thinking about it much and so i i truly did see like her change from the girl who fucking abandoned her family to come spend Christmas day, you know, like she was like fully like when you've had when you have a girl's like lust, attraction, respect, love, like to a ten out of ten points, like literally like she couldn't have like been been wanting me more than like than what was possible when I lived in Manchester. Anything for me, literally like running like doing the fucking business work for me, leveling up my fucking RuneScape account, bro. She learned how to play RuneScape so that she could level my account. Like she learned how to play a video game. Here's a like a girl who doesn't really play games. Here's a girl who learns how to play your video game so that she can level up your character whilst you're in work. That's the level of commitment that she had to me. Imagine seeing that go down. 
as I'm getting like emotional whilst I was living with her, then when I'm here, obviously like, there's like space in between we see each other. For at least like a month or so, it was totally not in my mind that she would be seeing someone else. And I know like, no guarantee, but I just kind of like assume she didn't, which like, you know, someone could argue, but it's like truly, you kind of know in a sense, right? But it was after that, it was after about a month and a half or something when she's kind of like somewhat started to move on. You can tell, like you can just fucking tell that I became more of like a, a pest to her. It became, you know, she wanted me to, to come every few days. She wanted me to come where it was then it was almost like, oh, like you're coming. Oh yeah, that's, that's cool. Like that kind of thing. And it was near like about two months after I left, two and a half months that it was like in my mind, yeah, she's like she's getting fucked by someone else right now. And I still remember shit like, this is why like, it's not really why, but like, I just don't fuck with like, fucking social media, especially like Snapchat and shit. Where like, I'd be looking at her Snapchat, like on the Snapchat maps and sometimes you'd see it in like a random place. Sometimes she'd post like a Snapchat story of like her getting food or something. I remember even saying it to her like, by the way, like if you're dating someone else, it's like, it's absolutely fine. And she'd be like, hey, I'm not silly. Like, <laughs> And, um, the fucking unfiltered story, bro. In August, just be a day before I was going to go camping with my friend. There's a, a video on the main channel. It's not really relevant, but like it's me camping in a thunderstorm. So a day before I was going to go camping with my friend, the place that we were going to go wasn't so far away from where our, our old apartment, like where she was living. And so the idea was that I was going to go there like a day early, spend like the day with her, then wake up the next morning and go from there to the camping spot to meet my friend. I get there a day early and already like from just messaging her, I could tell the vibe was different. And even before I got, oh man, I, um, I saw her Snapchat maps go off. Apologies, my camera just died. So before I actually go into this story, I just want to say I don't usually go into like very specific details of like what's happened with me and girls because one, I, I do find it kind of like cringe and a little bit disrespectful and everything. It's always like one of those like red pill field reports. I, I just find it's like, it's quite a degenerate, like un slash a non-gentleman thing to like, you know, very much go into detail with the detail I'm about to go here, but I do think it's relevant. And whilst this video is about suffering and, you know, I kind of had that in mind of like suffering with like war or trauma, there is a level of, of suffering and trauma that comes from relationships and attachment and love and stuff. So I think it is relevant here, but I just want to somewhat like clarify that because I just, as I was putting the new battery in for the camera, it just kind of hit me. I was like, wait, what? I'm doing like a fucking lit, like red pill field report of like the girl who cheated on me and shit. And it's just, I've always found that shit cringe, but I think this might help someone, right? So. So the day before I was gonna go to her place, I you know I'd said, oh yeah, like I'll I'll come tomorrow, and she was just kind of like, oh no, like don't come, like you know something like that, which she'd never ever said that to me before. My, this is the type of girl who like I would literally text her, like imagine we have we haven't seen each other for like two days. I've been out fucking other girls in like my third year of university. We live in different uh, buildings at this point. She knows that I'm out. She knows what I'm like in clubs. And I would literally randomly on a fucking Tuesday at like whatever time, any time, message her on the way. Not that, oh yeah, I'm coming over later or, you know, should I come over? Literally, I would message her on the way. She would be ready for me. I remember this was like the girl who made me feel like a fucking, I'd, like, I literally remember sending messages like on the way, put the, like, put the skirt on everything. Oh man, imagine that you have a girl on that level to then, once you've just become like that fucking like little simpy weak guy, the, do you know I've, I've said on this this video that you know I showed emotion and that was a problem, and I should clarify quickly before we get into the the main part of the story, which is unfiltered as fuck. Um, 
what kind of like levels you should be showing emotion because you absolutely should show positive emotion that's authentic you should be loving and that's generally what I think the red pill gets completely wrong in my opinion is like you should be like to the girl that you connect with you should be so loving and like connecting with them you should be like feel like like you should make them feel awesome around you and you should feel awesome around them the type of emotion that you shouldn't show is weakness and every woman will disagree like all the modern women will disagree with this and they don't realize they seem like women just simply don't realize what they want and what they're disgusted by but you can literally just go online on like reddit and just search for posts on like uh, you know boyfriends showing weakness and you'll just see the accounts of hundreds thousands of guys who fell for the trap who fell for like you know the, the test of women which who kind of say like oh you know open up show weakness and you know all this you can cry in front of me the moment you do it bro like the truth is like you should show weakness to your boys online like I'm doing here. There's a profit to be made. There's like a movement to be started with this. But in front of a girl who you want to keep up a sexual attraction, she will lose it for you. And of course, some woman's going to come and comment on this and give her anecdotal. But my husband cries and I still, uh, but generally it is the truth, right? So you don't want to show that level of weakness. Now that said, um, so the day before I messaged her and it was like the first time ever that she'd ever said something like, oh no, like, you know, you shouldn't come. Like, I remember it being so weird that I, like, I even sat here literally in this fucking like seat here. Like it was a different computer chair, but I was sat here. I was just thinking like, wait, what the fuck? That's so weird for her. Look on Snapchat maps and like her map was just disabled. So it's like on Snapchat maps, some people have like this idiotic setting, which like is just a privacy violation, which shows their exact, like if you're not, if you don't use social media, you, you'll find this creepy as fuck. Snapchat is like this social media and it has this thing where it will show your exact location to everyone who's your friend. And people have like hundreds of friends on this app. It's, it's a weird fucking invention that people thought like, oh yeah, I'll enable it. So it's, everyone knows where I, you know what I mean? It's fucking weird, right? And so she always had it on and it was just switched off at like the night the night before I came, right? And it was then switched back on, like, midday the next day, the day I was going to come over. So she's saying, like, oh, no, like, don't come over, you know, all this shit, this fucking, like... And I, it was already in my mind, yeah, she's been, like, she's been fucking, like, literally last night. But for some reason, it was like I still wanted to, like, come and see her. You know, I'm a fucking simp or something. I still wanted to come and see her. And... Oh, there were so many things that happened on this day. Holy shit, bro. So I'm packing all my shit and, you know, I'm getting my um, hiking, camping stuff ready and everything. And then I go. So this is now one day before the camping. And the idea was, okay, so get there, like midday, spend all day together, go to sleep and then wake up and go, right? And so she didn't really want me to come, but I almost like went into like my sort of like, I remember thinking, oh yeah, I'll act like an alpha. So I messaged her saying, no, I'm coming. Like, shut up. Like, you know, something like this, right? And so I came over and then, what happened was she's at the the front of the building like you open like the building door and every single time she would that's where we would you know she'd open the door for me every time that i'd come back to there or even like when i'd go to work and everything and she'd always be stood there like so proper feminine and cute and like would like do like a big long kiss and everything and we'd even stand in the doorway like in front of people and shit just like fucking groping each other like as soon as i saw her and so i kept up that same energy and i still i remember the fucking disgust gust on her face when i came in and i like put my hand on her neck for the kiss that i like imagine the face of disgust on the girl that you thought like you you know you're like you're the fucking alpha for and she even like like because she wasn't expecting it she wasn't attracted to me at this point as i put my hand here she kind of like moved backwards and almost like hit the back of her head on like the railing behind and it's just awkward as fuck in this like in this look of like you what are you doing kind of thing <laughs> awkward we go upstairs 
and <sighs> by this point, like I still feel like I love this girl. I feel like I've always got love for every girl that I've loved. For me, it's like that. It's kind of this level of like if I've loved a girl, like I feel like I'd always love him, even like the first girl I dated like five years ago or something. So I still have love for her, but I still remember that like both of us didn't have like that much of a level of attraction and care for each other at this point. It really felt like that when I was there. And so within like an hour, we're just kind of like doing everything. I remember like the sex life got kind of like weirdly dead where it was like, there was no foreplay. And it really, for the last like few months, it really felt like we were fucking just because she wanted, just because she knew that I wanted to. And so in this time, that's exactly what happened. And, oh man. As soon as we're about to fuck. <sighs> Bro, I'm going through PTSD. I'll just She was <laughs> she was red and swollen. <laughs> and still, bruh, I still fuck, right? After very, very clearly seeing the girl that you're like in love with has been fucked like the night before, like 16 hours before her pussy's fucking red already which you know she could say any excuse or something but it's like you know when a pussy's been like like fucked you know it bro and because you know I, that, that's been me previously i have previously like sort of left her in that shape and like some other oh man so we still fuck but it's like I, I, all i can think about is like okay she's like she's literally just gotten fucked by some other guy yesterday like and i remember that oh man it was like I lasted maybe like a minute. I wanted to like bust quick and go. And it was like such a pathetic little, like I've literally felt like a fucking like chump doing it. <sighs> so it's awkward as fuck. And straight afterwards, I literally just like go sit in the toilet. Like, on, you know, pretending to be on my phone for like 20 minutes, pretending to have a shit, just like being on my phone. I think it was journaling on my phone like what the fuck just happened like I can't believe I just fucking witnessed that and we're still supposed to like spend all day together and I kind of like I remember it was like even even after that like we laid down it was like some more subtle things so I didn't even leave at this point because like bro I still fucking love this girl I was like a bit of a fucking pussy or whatever I didn't have much respect for myself at the time and so we lay down and it was like small stuff where like I wanted the fan on she didn't and so usually it's like, yeah, like we're having it on then because I want it on. But like she was fighting against it. So sort of like she, she climbed over me, like turned it off. Then after that, it was like, I was going to go hiking, you know, the day after. So I said, okay, we'll go to the shop and we'll buy some protein bars. And she's like, no, like I don't want to go and everything. She's like putting up a mood against me. She like, should never be usually like, imagine like the, the expectation, not even expectation, just what was the usual thing of me saying? Like if I wanted protein bars, like I would have went for a shit. And she would have already been out on the way to get them for me without saying anything. Like, that's the type of, like, relationship that we had. And it, I know this is just detailed and it's, like, irrelevant, but it is kind of relevant to this video. But, yeah, um, she didn't want to, you know, go out for the protein bars or anything. And so then, just then is when I actually respected myself that we were just about to go out. And it was just, you know, 100 thoughts in my mind. Um, and I just kind of, like, looked online for, like, the, the train tickets back home. So I thought, you know, it's awkward as fuck to go back home and every, like, I told my family I'll be staying over for the night and going camping and shit, I've got all my camping stuff here. But she just kind of saw my phone and she was like, oh, like, are you going back home? And I said, yeah. And I remember it was just kind of like awkward, didn't really say anything. And I just kind of like said, yeah, like, I'm going to go back home. I'm just going to go from hiking tomorrow. She's like, oh, okay. So I hug her one last time, go to the train station. And she sends me a message, which she says, like, oh, I don't know what happened before. Like, are you Okay. I remember just before I replied, I actually remember like I went onto her Instagram page. Don't know why I did. 
and the pictures that she had up of us were just removed like i didn't go on instagram much i was on a dopamine detox in a sense so i didn't um just saw them removed and then that's when i like i just blocked her on instagram just sent her like i don't know if i even sent her a last message or i just like fully blocked her off everything and i didn't speak to her for literally fucking months up until like she messaged my dad to say like oh you know i had stuff there that i should go pick up um yeah so and you know what's interesting is that <laughs> and that's a separate story but yeah so that's <sighs> that is a very like obviously it's personal and it's a quite a humiliating story and it's quite like a you know it's like a negative experience my camera's gonna die bro it's quite like a negative experience and you know, it's quite heartbreaking, especially when you've been with someone so long. But she she didn't cheat, okay? Because we weren't together. We weren't in a relationship. Or anything. She, she didn't cheat. It was just kind of like she had been now single and, like, not living with me for, like, two and a half months. So she started fucking someone else because I was only seeing her, like, once a week and obviously not giving her any level of commitment or something. So I don't think she really did anything wrong. And I'm truly grateful for the red pill. This is where the red pill really fucking came in for me because I had been reading it previously and everything, but it was around this time, like over that year or so through COVID, that even before I moved out and everything, that I really started rereading the red pill. And, you know, it really got me think. like, I had stopped reading it for a while. I remember when I started reading it at the, like the start of the COVID lockdown and, you know, they're saying like, stop being a loser, stop smoking weed, stop lifting weights and the, the gyms are closed, here's some workouts you can do. And I was like, that's when, when I got the idea, like, wait, you know, I can do so much better with my life. And, they, you know, they're saying like, don't accept like substandards for women and all this shit. And that's when it really became so, like, so fucking useful for me in that like transition from all this. And it re this really is like a, a huge level of suffering in a relationship or related to love and even though it's like weird as fuck to say but it's like i'm so grateful for it i'm so grateful that i suffered in that way because because of that i went through like the trials and tribulations that developed me further that was like the fuel for me to like get on my shit when i moved here that was like the fuel for me to think like i can do so much better it was also like the huge mindset change that happened to me which was thinking like don't commit to girls who are low quality just because you're in love with them. I I feel like I suffered a lot with that experience. Like I, I never cried about it, you know. I, I am usually a cry, but I never cried about it. It, it wasn't like uh, a sad type of suffering. It was more like a um, motivational. Maybe that's because of my mindset. But it was it's straight away from as soon as it happened it, it was one of those things where i was thinking like yeah because you haven't been lifting recently you have you've had a shit diet you've been smoking weed for the last year you got lazy as fuck it's time to like get on your shit i remember that the phrase kept on popping up into my mind any of the red pill boys will know it's like brit faults law it's like it's like a law that like the red pill guys sometimes talk about brit fault something like that and the idea is that it, it's what was it now no 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 it wasn't that one that was somewhat relevant but it was actually like the light switch effect which you can just google like the red pill light switch effect which is just kind of like a girl can switch up on you you're never told this in blue pill media you're never told like you know women will never say this about you or anything women can switch up on you like night and fucking day and I, guys somewhat can do this but it's more like they're the degenerate guys who didn't actually love the woman first a woman who loves you can lose that love in you instantly and be like so fucking cold-hearted a woman who thinks that you're the ultimate guy like, you know the, the alpha male and everything can instantly lose all that attraction for you straight away and it will be like night and day and that's where Brifolt's law comes in the law is something like um the relationship or the sexual activity with a girl will only continue while she girl actually finds value in it 
which of course is like kind of common sense, but it's something like that, right? So the reason why I bring up that story and it's kind of, you know, somewhat, I'm not really embarrassed to be honest. I don't know if some people are going to bring it up and be like, oh, but Hamza, Hamza's girlfriend, she, she didn't cheat. It wasn't a relationship or anything. It was just a situational ship that we ended up living together. It was just a unfortunate circumstances. But even with that being such like a hard experience and you know, heartbreaking and embarrassing and all this, if I didn't go through it, I would not be the man that I was today. I would not have this knowledge of like female nature in my mind. And of course, like, you know, she doesn't, uh, this isn't a girl who's like relevant to every girl, but it's like, it does like give you a sense of experience with how cutthroat relationships, dating and sex can actually be. It gave me so much insight that I've now teach the other guys and I try and do it in a way which isn't like um, hostile towards women because I'm so grateful and also like, you know, the, this suffering also sh gave me the emphasis and importance of the red pill because it was straight after this point. That's when I got back into the red pill. And that's when I became a fucking poster of the red pill. That's when I started fucking leading some of the movements there. And I remember like my, my page kept on getting like more and more like my, my posts straight after this experience we're popping the fuck off on the red pill that the, the big guys they were noticing me they were like adding flares to my profile and like my posts were getting like the top voted off all this time because i was active as fuck there because of this this experience of suffering so much growth came from that and as much as like it's like such a weird negative like you know it's a it's, it's an experience quite literally of getting cucked it really is it really fucking is and whilst you know you'd think that that's suffering is such a bad thing it's like you can see how growth came simply because i had the right mindset i hope you appreciate appreciate the honesty and like the vulnerability and authenticity and all this shit <clears throat> in this video it was it wasn't exactly hard for me to open up about this even though i've never have i'm just a fucking open book at it so yeah bro if anyone ever fucking calls me a liar bro oh my god you can call me like you know people like dislike me and everything and they can you can say anything you want about me bro but i don't ever want to be called a liar because i have so tr like truly shown the world that i am not afraid to say anything i've like tr told you my mistakes i've told you about the crimes that i've committed i've told you about every fucking little detail story you know for a fact when you watch a hamza video that you are getting the complete and utter truth you know that i'm not like lying like this obviously times where i've like told you something that's not true not like not uh accurate that have been mistaken and stuff fair enough that that's you know a learning process of self-improvement but there will never be a time where i will tell you like a conscious lie where in my mind i'm thinking yeah that's not true but tell it to them for some other reason no one's actually and to be fair like no one's actually ever called me a lie with all like the, the hatred and all you know like i get like a as a country creator you get like a fair amount of hate but no one has ever actually kind of said like oh yeah hamza's a liar because he said you know everyone's always brought up something else which i kind of like you can see that the suffering of the experience of having girls lie to me gave me the importance of the value of honesty which is the reason why i make these fucking videos and it's the reason why like we're blowing up and it's become a business and everything you can see that there is so much growth in suffering and so i hope you suffer do the hard work especially when you don't feel like it Mwah.